First Corinthians 13 says this in verse four through seven. You can look at it. It'll be on the screen or maybe you just need to close your eyes and think about these things deeply, deeply. We're in a series called Ordered Love. Ephesians tells us that the job of the elders of a church, of the pastors of a church, is to present everybody mature in Christ. To do that, we have to reorder our love. And here's what it says in verse 4 through 7. Love is patient. (laughs) Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices In the truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's the words of God to us. If you're anything like me, I read those couple verses and two thoughts come to mind immediately. The first one is, I quit. (laughs) There's an impossibility to those verses that's very real. And if you're anything like me, you, just to get out of the house today, failed on one of those things. Think about it. Love is patient. I'm out. I have kids. Love is kind. I'm probably batting two for ten. (laughs) And I'm a pretty nice guy. Love doesn't envy. Never looks at somebody else and says, I want what you have. Hmm. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. What we studied in Philippians is that every... One of us is called to esteem others better than ourselves. It's not rude. If any of you drive, you fail on that one. It's not self-seeking or irritable. I mean, we could... Am I making my point? There's, There's an impossibility to these words. But the second piece of that... The second thought that immediately comes to my mind after I realize that it's impossible and that I've already failed today and it's only 1030. When I get past that admission, the second thing that comes to my mind is that that's really beautiful. And I want that. That is beautiful. And I want that. And in just a moment, we're going to take communion because the impossibility of that in the natural meets with Jesus in the supernatural 
and becomes possible. But to get to that place, I think there's two things that we have to wrestle with before we take communion and before we begin to pray through what the reality of that beautiful picture of mature love can look like at Redeemer City Church. Two things we have to, let me say this, two responses to that problem. (laughs) The problem being us. The first one is this. Every one of us needs to repent of our contribution to the problem. If you're on the YouVersion Bible app, you can fill in those blanks. But listen carefully to me as, I, as we think through that statement. Every one of us has to repent of our contribution to the problem. It's a sin. Are you listening? Online? <laughs> Put your coffee down. It's a sin to pass judgment on people. It's a sin to talk about people behind their back. It's a sin to tear people down when God sent us on mission to build people up. And I think a lot of times we just will do those things and never think about it. I know I do. But think about this. The Bible paints a picture that that we're actively against the work that God's doing in the world when we don't love the people of God around us. If you're not a Christian and you're listening in on this family conversation, I want you to know that every person in this room, every person watching online that calls himself a Christian is a hypocrite. We all are. And I love the joke, right, that you've all heard. And there's room for one more. (laughs) So welcome. But oftentimes Christianity gets pointed at by the world and says, you guys don't, you know, you guys don't live what you believe. You, you guys are hypocrites. And we would say, yes, <laughs> that is the whole point of what we believe. That we don't deliver on the demand. Only one can do that. However, that's not an excuse to leave culture as it is within the body of Christ. It has to change. Listen to what John says. If If those verses that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit weren't enough for us, let's take it one step farther. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, it says this. We know we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. But here it is. The one who does not love remains in death. Lift up your voice and tell me, big deal or little deal to God? You should try again. Big deal or little deal? Big deal, right? Like, you're in or you're out kind of deal. Big deal. The one who does not love remains in death. What does that signal to us? That every single one of us has something to repent of in our contribution to the problem. It's not all bad news, though, 
because there's a glorious recognition in, in seeing that you aren't who you're supposed to be. There's a glorious recognition in that. Because what I love about the Bible and about our great God is that whenever you see these really intense realities surface about who we're supposed to be, we don't have to look very far to find how we participate in that new reality. So we're here in 1 Corinthians 13. John was there in 1 John 4. And you don't have to go but half a page away and you find where God's participating with you in that new reality. But before we get to that and then we take communion, the second piece of that, once we recognize that we're part of the problem, is there's a surrendering that takes place. Write this down. Surrender the natural over to the supernatural. Because love is not an if I thing. Love is not, right, what's it say? Love keeps no record. Love is not about our performance. See, because we're really prone to look at our abilities and our accomplishments and measure things. And in fact, we should. In fact, God does. There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. God, God is a God of order. When he created the earth and everything in and on it when you study those things the biology of the human condition the intricacies of creation it's very clear that god has order in place deeply intricate things however we are prone to look at what we can do and what we have done But that is not love. It's not. One of the things that is so helpful to think about is that even when you and I, maybe you're better than me, I'll stick with me and you can judge for yourself about you. Even when I do something right, even when I do something good or loving, what am I looking for? A pat on the back. I I want somebody to notice The things that I've done. It's just in us. When Satan came to Eve in the garden, what did he go after? He didn't go after something horribly sinful. He went after the thing that was right in front of her that was good, that God made. And he turned it to where she could see herself in the place of God. You can be like God. We have to surrender what is natural over to what is supernatural. Otherwise, it's just compensation. The praise of man is just compensation. It's not love. But in verse 4 through 7, we see what love actually is. Love is supernatural. It's focused on our own inability. A recognition of falling short. And it leads to a better question. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? But we're really, I mean, that's really difficult. 
And that's what I mean by just having a family conversation today because that's extremely difficult. We get here by letting go of our ideals and surrendering to what God's doing in and around us. All of us have an idea of what we think life ought to be like. We all do. And for most of us, reality doesn't match that picture. And for the rest of us, where reality does match that picture, we recognize that it's not all it's cracked up to be. And so I want to move quickly as I can to Jesus. I really do, because you don't need to hear from me today a really good sermon, because I'm just as bad at these things as you are. It's just true. And if, and if that can't be, if we can't be real in this place, you can't be real anywhere. Because here's the reality. I'm not very patient. I'm not always kind. I do have some things I'd like to have that I see other people have. And we could go on and on. And so could you. So what, what we need most in this moment is Jesus. And we want to not just say that or preach that really well. We want to practice that. We want to practice that. So where, where, what are the two places that this comes from? What are the two places that it comes from? It comes, number one, from us being together. If COVID has taught us anything, it's how much we need each other. How much we need to be together. And, I, and I'm, I'm not picking on the COVID stuff right now. I realize that if you're not here with us today or you're not in a physical city group because of COVID-related reasons, I get it. There, there, are, there are things that are very real and present that affect that decision. But family conversation, can I just be real with you? I think some of you have just become used to the convenience of not participating physically in the gathering of God's people. Whether that's here on Sunday or whether that's in a city group. I think both count, by the way, for being with God's people. And here's the reality. If you're participating online, that's fine. I want you to know that's fine. I'm fine with that. However, if it's just because it's convenient, that's wrong. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you feel uncomfortable being here that you need to come here. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if it's become convenient and that's it, even being here, if you're here and it's just because it's convenient to hang out and see your friends, like that's wrong. We gather for a reason. This is the visible, tangible representation of the kingdom of God coming on earth just as it is in heaven. And if body parts are missing, it's incomplete. It's a love conversation. And so... We have to tell the truth about that, don't we? Because what does it say? It says love tells the truth. 
It loves the truth. And so if there's good reasons for you to not be here, awesome. But if you can have dinner at Armature Works, but you can't be six feet apart from somebody at church, I think there's a priority problem. And I don't say that to make you mad. I say that because we love you. And God has built a people. Peter tells us that he's building a spiritual house. And so, if that's completely missing from your life for a year, you're malnourished. And so are we. That, that, that does not mean you need to be in this room on Sundays. But it does mean that you need to be in community with people from Redeemer City Church. Whatever that looks like in this season. We have online city group. We have city groups that meet in homes where you can spread out and make the most of that. And we have space here on Sunday for us to celebrate the goodness of God and take communion together and listen to the word. And so at at some point, we prioritize what is most important. And I can't answer that. You have to. But but we all we have to be honest about the things that God told us would bring us human flourishing. We we have to take an honest look at where are the places that God says he will participate with you and with me in the body of Christ. He gives us two of those places in the gathering together of the God's people because we are one body with one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And in the sacraments. These mysterious gifts of God. And I do believe that today as you participate with us online in communion, that God will be there and God will participate. And so again, this is, this is not a plea for the physical. It's a recognition of the supernatural and the places that God chooses to move in and through his people. And I also say that on the heels of giving you the opportunity to spend 15 minutes face to face with me so we can talk about that, because I recognize that that is a hard decision in this moment. And I just as your pastor want to enter into that with you as you make decisions that are big decisions. There is a massively spiritual component to who you are. And I want to be there for you. I want to be in that place with you, praying and asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom. And so there's no animosity on my end from that. But I do want to go there with you. Because it's been a long time. And there's a lot of confusing information. And so... What I do want you to know is that we love you 
I love you. And as we think about what God's doing in our city, you're a part of that. Every single person that calls Reamer City Church home is a part of that future that we're building together for the glory of God. And so sign up for that when it comes out this week because I want, I want to spend time with all of you. Because God is very clear that this comes from us being together. From the onset of the church, the local church in Acts, we immediately see them gathering in the temple and in homes, and it's never changed. We're on mission for God all week. And we celebrate as a family at family dinner around the word on Sunday and communion. That is why we do what we do. And the Bible says that it's the way that you and I love each other. We need to love people in the world. We do. That's, that's in here. <laughs> but what God said to us is that it's how you and I love each other. That will change the world. By this they will know that you are my disciples. That you love one another. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. Because we're, we're given, go into the world and make disciples. But it, how do they know I'm a disciple? By our love for each other. And can we just be real? There's some things we have to repent of. As we go back to that first thing. We have not done that perfectly. And so we just collectively take a deep breath and say, thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, as we sang. I've not done that perfectly. None of us have. But there is a reality that comes from us being together and understanding each other and loving each other. That begins to shape us as we do it over and over and over and over again. And that brings me to the second thing. Where does it come from? It comes from being together, but it comes from participating in the sacrament of communion. I mentioned a minute ago that all you have to do is flip a half page or so and you'll find where God's participating in those places where it's too difficult for us to participate. So despite the impossibility of us living out what 1 Corinthians 13 lays out for us, we flip a page back to 1 Corinthians 10 and we meet with Jesus in that place. 1 Corinthians 10:14 says this, therefore my beloved flee from idolatry. That's what we've just talked about. We have all the things we need to repent of. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless. Here it is. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Where is the place that God promises to not just be everywhere in his omnipresence, but to participate with you? And with me, with us, it's here. It's at this place 
gathered around the table, the communion table, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Is the bread that we break not our participation in the body of Christ? And who is the body now? Us. We're the body. We, we have to be together to truly, fully represent the kingdom of God coming on earth just as it is in heaven. And we do that in many ways, whether it be city groups or gatherings on Sundays or you meeting somebody, the body, the bread that we break, the cup that we bless. Verse 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread together. Loving. And then in a moment we'll go to 1 Corinthians 11 and talk about what that looks like. But 1 Corinthians 11, after it mentions how they took the elements, talks about examining ourselves. In verse 1 Corinthians 11, Verse 27 says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, let a person examine himself then and then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Otherwise, you're bringing judgment on yourself. And so we need to do that. I don't think you can read a passage like this and think, I'm good. (laughs) Got it all buttoned up. So we're just going to take a moment even if it's awkward, and sit with that silence and ask for God's forgiveness in the places that we have failed, the places that we have better yet, places that we have sinned against God. And I'll just be honest with you, I, I go first. I go first in that. And so uh, let's take that moment It'll be a minute or two, and if you want to open your Bible and read those verses in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, I would encourage you to do that, but I would also encourage you to talk to the Lord in the stillness of your own heart and speak to him. If you're at home, I know that can be challenging depending on what your environment is, but find time to sit with that, the gravity of that. We have to love one another because that is the whole deal. That is how the world will know that we are his, that we are the body. And so take that minute or two and talk to your heavenly father. Hebrews tells us that we can enter into that throne room of grace for mercy and help in our time of need. If you want to grab a spouse or your kids or a friend and pray with them, feel free to do so if you're in the room. If you're online, text somebody, call somebody. This is the most important piece of the body that we have.
is each other and the body and blood of Christ. And so let's just take those two minutes and examine ourselves, speak to the Lord, and then we'll celebrate those two things together before we leave. Take those two minutes.